another episode of the Noon Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with my former colleague and dear friend, Megan. As a seasoned EMS professional, having served as a trauma tech in a level one ER and as an EMT for a busy 911 ambulance service, Megan brings a wealth of experience to the table. Our conversation is sure to be filled with valuable insights, lots of laughter, and great stories. Let's get started. All right, Megan, thanks for joining us today. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Can you go ahead and give me an introduction of yourself? Sure. I'm Megan. I've been in EMS for far too long. Forever. <laughs> Basically. I started when I was like 18, 19. I'm not going to list my age now because that's just rude. <laughs> I wouldn't ask a lady her age. <laughs> you, you can't. Um, how many years? Let me quantify though. Something like 15. I feel like after 10. You stop counting. What is the average yeah. career like? Like two years now? I thought you were a little older than that. Now I'm questioning my age. No, no, no. I just thought you'd been doing it as long as I had. I could be very off with my math. It's been a long day. 16. So (laughs) who were you quantifying? Okay, I was off by one. I've never claimed a math. It's close. Um, But I started with like the rural volunteer fire service because I was too young to work anywhere. And then I went to the high volume city and I'm at the level one ER now for like 10 years this year. 10 years. Oh man, I remember when you started. You started after me. I know, (laughs) but I remember when you left because I was really upset that you left Mm. the company that we worked for. Yeah, you were my last um, street shift, actually. I was like, okay, I can end it with Sam. (laughs) That'll be fun. This is good. We're good. Because we've been friends for, God, a long time. Almost Our friendship would be in, like, middle school. (laughs) We'd be going through puberty right now. (laughs) (laughs) Just to quantify it for you. (laughs) There would be pubic hair involved. Your short and curly's going yeah, on. Please. Sorry, and I will say I'm probably not going to be, what is it, NSFW? Oh, don't please. Uh, don't viewer please. discretion probably should be advised <laughs> if there's young kids. I'll have might a learn. special one for you. <laughs> yeah, you might need to. So how are you liking it at the hospital versus the ambulance? It's different. It's like, it's a different kind of busy. I don't want to say like more hands off, but you have more definitive like a captains of the ship, yeah? Because you have the doctors. I mean, I boss the doctors around. Don't get confused. But <laughs> hey, there, there are a lot of training doctors at mm-hmm. your facility, and there is a lot of learning that goes on at that facility. So that's every June, right? July. Every July is July. upon us. <laughs> that's I try and like warn people. I'm like, yes, they're doctors, but they've been in a library for like the last 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I think it's mm-hmm. fun. In, Getting to see them be excited to do things reminds mm-hmm. me of how I was when I went through paramedic school. You Not know, all old EMS and crusty school. like we are now. Yes, <laughs> well, back in my days. days. <laughs> <laughs> so what got you into EMS in the first place? Um, I think I took my little brother to like our local firehouse. And I was just like, hey, those lights look fun. I feel like I could get down with that. <laughs> and then it just sucks you in. You know how it does. So you just drove him over? Yeah, because it was uh, just like the regional fire station and they do the tours and stuff. Because my brother is 16 years younger than I am. So like the wee woos were real exciting. Yeah. <laughs> when you're that <laughs> small. <laughs> I mean, we can all agree the wee woos are still fun. <laughs> they are. They are. Like, now that I'm off of it, it's a lot more fun. Yeah. When it's not constantly blaring in your head. I like to try and make the most obnoxious noises I could. Yeah. The whistle sounds. Whip, whip. Yeah. <laughs> 
There's a, probably a reason they took the PAs out of the trucks. That's, probably, that's all I'm saying. I would agree with that. There probably is. Uh, I am lucky enough in the service that I'm in right now, we actually have two ambulances. Oh, yeah. So I've I still those. drive a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. every once in a while. I'm like, check this out, nurse. <laughs> yeah. wait, 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 wait. Do you know how to do this? You yeah. qualified? <laughs> you can't even turn these lights on, bro. <laughs> Where's your SIBO? Yeah. It's good for your lifetime, which probably they should actually, not be. They started um, training the nurses in SIBO, which is good for our company anyways. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it so that it's it's a little more dispersed and so that everybody can chart. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I was trying to think. You guys have a much smaller pool. So. Yes. It is a very it is a much smaller pool. And you have to be a little smarter <clears throat> to work in the flight service. You know what Not I mean? Not shots fired? Not, no shots fired. That's for medics or nurses mm-hmm. or, you know, if there's RTs or whatever services that, that the flight company might utilize. In general, might be a little controversial, but I feel like the standard has gone significantly down across the board. I agree. Do you think that that's because we're so short-staffed? I was going to say, I feel like it's probably out of a necessity. If you look, like, all these hospitals are all staffed by travelers and stuff. And it used to be the travelers had to have so many years' experience, and now it's only one. So you're getting, like, babies in. To work in the ER or in trauma? Yes, a blanket statement. Yes, <laughs> yes yeah. blanket statement. It's okay. The drama is all travelers now. We have, aside from charge nurses, a handful of core staff. Yeah. Now, um, Katie and I talked briefly about how cool it is that you're, and I could be getting this wrong, I, I believe he is the ER director at this point. He's a paramedic. I'm not sure what his position um, is. To my knowledge, he has stepped down from that. And is more like a manager, so like second in command okay. with another lady. Oh, okay. I could also be wrong. He was very a, bad at the politicking. He was a fill-in, though, at least for a little yeah. bit. And mm-hmm. that's that's really cool, having a paramedic be up in that position. Yeah, it, that's the first time I've heard of that because hospitals have in always any been hospital, yeah, so yeah. nurse-driven. Yes. And how are you guys having any hard time hiring like paramedics or techs? Always. I mean. Because it is so much busier there, and then because we're relying on the travelers, so our paramedics are now forced to fulfill a more nursing role, but getting paid a third of what like the travelers right, are. Right, right. And I, I mean, when I was there, I, I feel like we were already doing a similar nursing role. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine that it's gotten easier. It's probably gotten a little bit harder. I think there's probably resentment. <laughs> Naturally so. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it, it is understandable, especially if they're not offering. Especially for, like, me in general, just all these nurses, not to throw shade at anybody, but, oh, do this, do that. And I'm like, you're making a lot more than I am. <laughs> yeah. And you're asking me, and you mm-hmm. see me walking by holding a bunch of supplies, mm-hmm. trying to restock or do wound care in another room. Or there will or... be three of us on, just like text medics for the night, and two should be in trauma, and like one in the monitor room. That's two people for the 70-bed ER. Yeah. On top of the critical care area, which is seeing crazy high census, way more so than we ever have. Yeah, that's crazy. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. I'm sure COVID it has. has done great things for healthcare. But I bet you've gotten to see some really cool things. That is true. Like, being the only level one, we get everything. Everything gets flown in. Like, I think I had somebody flown in from Utah at one point because oh, we yeah. just happened to be the closest. And then he got discharged at like 3 a.m. He's like, what do I do now? And I was like, 
taxis only go within city limits, yeah. so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I'm real sorry. Well, they have people at the hospital that are supposed to help, right, facilitate rides. Like social work, yeah, yeah, but I think they leave at midnight, so at 3 a.m., that poor guy was just like, shouldn't have punched the window, buddy. I like, know. <laughs> shouldn't have punched the window. It's always the windows. I know. They, um, my wife was in the hospital just recently, and they were trying to transfer her out of state because they were saying that the type of doctor that she needed wasn't available like they were just so busy here and i told mm -hmm. them absolutely not it's up to her ultimately but doing uh you know flight services we see how many people get flown out of state and then Stranded. just to be seen like, yeah, yeah told hey follow up later mm -hmm. follow up with your primary care follow up with your doctor good luck see you later well, you and I'm, I'm assuming it's the same situation everywhere from what i've heard from the travelers is like everything is actively burning to the oh, ground yeah, for sure. so why transfer to a different state? <laughs> yeah, no, we were flying people from New Mexico to Vegas, Nevada, two, three times a shift for a little while because they were accepting patients. And it's like... That's going to be real hard for families ER, to get in during yes, visiting hours. And the <laughs> ER doctors were, you know, pissed. And it's like, well, your doctors are the ones accepting. The only way, the mm -hmm. only reason we can bring them over here is because you guys are accepting. And Yeah, we don't just kidnap people and fly right. them and be like, surprise, Shone, <laughs> exactly. we got somebody for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so what, what would you say is like one of the coolest things that, be, that you've gotten to do uh, as a tech in the trauma unit? So when we do, like, were you over, you did an open thorough. Yeah. I've had one, yeah. Had but one? You had it before I did, and I was a little jealous oh. when you came in and told me, because I was sitting in the monitor room. <laughs> I am such a shit show that, like, everyone has been getting their first, like, open throws with me. Really? <laughs> this, <laughs> one of my friends that I had trained, uh, we got, like, a page. And it sounded bad. I was like, oh, this will probably be bad. And you want to jump in on it? I'll just like, I was hanging outside. I was like, you got it. And I left her in there with somebody who was also brand new. Oh. <laughs> he didn't tell me. He'd never been a part of that. And she's like, help, help, help. And I look and they're just doing the full cut open. I was just like, oh, no. This went so sideways. Yeah. But I digress. I've gotten to like do the cardiac massage twice. I just kind of like weasel my way in. So like holding a human heart in your hands is kind of surreal. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a last ditch effort for somebody who may have had um, a really bad trauma in cardiac arrest, right? So they crack open the chest, oh, yeah. and they and you get to reach your hand in, and you're performing basically the most hands-on CPR that you can. Oh yeah, literally just compressing a heart, <laughs> like yeah. not through anything, gloves through gloves <laughs> through gloves. Hopefully you don't pop a hole. Oh, that would be bad. <laughs> I did end up with wire in my hand recently from somebody <laughs> doing compressions when they had they had had like open oh. heart i was like that glove wasn't torn why does he have a hole on his chest <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> kind of like hardcore but also morbid i was like oh ew, no <laughs> <laughs> did you get cut a little bit oh no <laughs> i just raw dog it like i do most things in my life <laughs> see bro um I know that they keep pediatrics pretty separate from adults, but occasionally mm -hmm. you'll get those pretty gnarly ones. How do you deal with the bad stuff that you get? Like Pete specifically or just in general? Just in general. You know, I think I feel like in EMS, most of us, it's peds. Peds are the oh, kind sure. of scary ones, unless you're working in a pediatric ER and you feel more comfortable with it, but... Yeah, well, I'm no, I get that, because, like, I really only have a soft spot for, like, mamas and kids. Sure. When I say kids, not like the 16-year-old shithead that's like, I'm going to fuck you up. Be like, no, no. There's not Ariel that's on gonna, these walls. Don't get confused. That's going to be in the adult side anyways. Uh -huh. yeah, they're fighting. Then they learn real quick. I'm like, you want to act like a big boy? We're going to treat you like a big boy. You're not yeah. going to like it. 
Um, I don't know. I guess in some of the same ways that we all try and find healthy coping mechanisms, spending time with like friends, family, decompressing again in healthy ways, try not to turn to alcohol and all that. That's, well, that's always good. That's a down. That's it can be a slippery slope. Yeah, it's definitely a downer. <laughs> Ew. Alcohol. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real. You can't be in this career field for more than a month without getting affected. Nobody gets out unscathed. They're lying to you if they say they do. That's true. I think they had done a study actually that was saying like first responders and like trauma nurses or ERs actually have like a more complex form of PTSD than like military because it's built up over a lifetime instead of like sure. a short condensed really bad it's like the little bad but over 20 years it starts to wear on you somebody i think it was ed the other day when we were talking offline had said that and i this just resonated with me so so much he said that they should treat ems similar to the military where you go in and you opt to do four years and if you want to keep doing you know, more, you can sign up to do more or you can opt out and still get benefits like, you know, medical or health benefits. I mean, you could be onto something because then you can reevaluate and be like, what have I done? Yeah, right. Like, should I change my career or should I continue going or can I go up, you know, go mm-hmm. from if you want, you know, to change careers, go from EMS to nursing or. Or have some of those career paths be a little bit easier because right. EMS is really a glass ceiling. It is. Once you hit it, you can do management for EMS or stay in the field. Right. And I I do see a little bit of change in that. Like we were discussing earlier Mm -hmm. with the the paramedic that was kind of managing ER for a little bit. Like that is huge for us, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's, I think that it's not recognized very much and it should have been. That should have been a bigger deal where Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe the facility wanted to downplay it a little bit because they didn't have any other fill-in or, you know, because he went from a paramedic to a charge nurse position Mm -hmm. and then he filled from a charge nurse into like the director position for a little bit. That That should have been bigger news, I think, for medics. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. They didn't really recognize that at all. And they very, they made a very clear distinction. It wasn't a charge. It was a paramedic charge. Right. And, like, he wasn't allowed to wear the same color to... Really? To make that distinction. So then, as far as I know, would get, like, a lot of pushback from other floors and that kind of stuff because they saw him in the paramedic color as opposed to, like, a charge color that had... A little more authority. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I guess I just assumed that he would be wearing... I think they offered him a safety vest, if that counts. Oh, no. <laughs> You want your Joey vest? <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> That's just um, kind of medicine in general. Doesn't know what to do with us, though. Yeah. With That's a weird true. kind of just, like, Swiss Army knife. But then they're like, ah, oh, but we don't, like, we'll put you away until we need you again. <laughs> right. And we don't have any type of unions or anything to defend us, either. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I do kind of put that on us as well because we don't stick up for ourselves we're just like we get to do cool things and drive really fast <laughs> look what i can do what? i don't need a union yeah i don't need i don't need people to defend me i get to do all of these really cool things so i think mm-hmm. i think that's kind of on us i think we do need to step up and kind of take a stronger position in the state of new mexico that's true and just as a culture we tend to be locked in the past a little bit like just even the backboards yeah we were doing it just because that's the way it's always been done since right. the 70s, when there was like very clear literature and all these studies that are like, nah, not great. And we're like, nope, that's the way we do it. 
That's that's it. This is in, how it's done. End back of discussion. in the seventies, we're gonna do lines of coke and drink alcohol while we're driving these <laughs> what, what? these ambulances. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you know uh, the standards though have increased significantly, and you'll see that a lot of companies across the United States even are requiring um, are starting to require bachelors. Really? For paramedics. There are mm-hmm. there are companies that you can't get into, uh, regular 911 service companies that you can't get into without having a bachelor's. And a lot of nursing facilities don't require a bachelor's, but will give you an incentive if you have one. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, because that's interesting, because that would help us hopefully be able to be recognized a little bit more. But as far as like the nursing community, they were like, well, if you're going to be a charge nurse, we strongly suggest you have your bachelor's. But it wasn't a requirement. Yeah, it's still not a requirement. Because mm-hmm. they have the same two years that, like, the medics get. Yeah. For, like, minimum. Yeah. So what, uh, which do you like more? Did you like the ambulance more or like the ER more? It's like apples and oranges, right? Because each benefits to each, downsides to each. I will say the ER is busier. Just the flow of patients. Again, like having 21 patients you're looking after at once. Where, like, on a rig, you could go to some, like, real shitty fucked up call, but then after you can squeeze in 10 minutes. Yeah. For yourself. Yeah. When you can't really hide, especially when they give you your voceras. You'd be trying to pee and it's all bling, 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 urgent call, and you're like, oh, God, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you pants around your ankles, you're like, two seconds. Yeah. Just mute. Two <laughs> seconds. I just take the battery out. I'm like, oh, nope. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you miss working on the ambulance? Some. I don't miss, like, all the late calls and, like, all of that. But some more of the freedom that kind of goes with that. Yeah. I mean, when you didn't have calls, you got to hang out and just Mm -hmm. chill in the ambulance. But I feel like towards the end of our stay there, that that wasn't very often. No. Because what was the old adage? Was EMS, like, earn money sleeping? Yeah. I feel like not anymore. Not anymore. Not in this city. Not in this economy. (laughs) Not in this this city. (laughs) No, especially this one. Because what, 11 was in the top 10 for responses? Really? I didn't know that. That's crazy. I'm pretty sure it's like like call volume. And that's one district. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. They do keep those guys busy. And that's such a high area for unhoused population and... Uh, you know, they call it the war zone down there. Mm-hmm. And they have like, they have the barriers between the streets so to prevent drive-bys, basically. Mm-hmm. And that, I had never seen that until I started here. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. People already know that this is kind of a rough place to live. But I had, um, I'd worked with a nurse from Detroit and her husband made her quit because... Yeah. It was that bad? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so we'll put that in perspective. <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> she oh. was like, this is the only level one I've been to without like metal detectors and stuff. Really? Mm-hmm. I think we kind of got them, but there's like half the time security's not there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the metal detectors are security using handheld metal detectors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like the walk-in ones that you see in a lot of other like facilities. Like TSA yeah. anywhere. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, when we showed up the other day with a trauma, I was surprised because security met us outside and I was like, what are you doing? He was like, well, you have the stabbed patient, right? I was like, yeah. You guys show up for these? <laughs> <laughs> I think they've kind of started doing that more. Yeah. I don't know. I know it's it's hard because I feel like they don't get involved a whole lot. But then the facility also ties their hands as far as that, as what they're able to do. Right. No, for sure. So, you, like, you want to hold them accountable, but you can't? One of my last partners who currently works with you, we, we went to an outlying facility for a patient who had been shot. And it was a big thing, right? Like, in a small mm-hmm. town, they were like, don't say anything. Like, they haven't caught the bad guys yet. So, like, keep your head low. Don't make any noise. You know, mm-hmm. go in, be quiet. Um we 
We load this patient up, and the freaking ambulance takes off code three to the airport. <laughs> I was like, and code three is lights and sirens. I was like, why are you going lights and sirens right now? They're keeping the airport, a low profile. Right. If we're trying to like be quiet, we're not supposed to be letting anybody know where we're going. And we have. Did you have a police escort also? Yes. <laughs> Like three cars on each side of the ambulance. I was like, oh, this is great. You're like, uh-huh, yep, we're keeping this quiet. Yeah. We're all under wraps, boys. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So he takes the pilots. We're like, we're cut. you'll know when we're there. You'll, you'll see us yeah. two miles down the road. You'll hear us and you'll see us. Let's try to load quickly. Let's get this over with. Yeah, that was a... We laughed the whole way back down. We were getting with that patient because it was, what can you do? You know, at this point, they're already doing it. They're yeah. super excited. They want to go lights and sirens. Like, all right. The wee-woos are fun. <laughs> they are, but you can't, you can't restrict people. And I think that's part of why we got into these jobs, you know, is for that little bit of adrenaline. Oh, for sure. Would you say that you have a matched level of adrenaline working in the trauma unit? Yeah, because then you'll get like those those pages. It's like MCI or it's like um, back to back level ones or like all within five minutes. And they all just sound like a shit show. Yeah. You're just like, um, I really don't want to code somebody in the hallway. So please have a bed available. Yeah. You have to like figure out what you're going to do. Because like our role back there, I feel, is more like where the nurses are more for the patients. Ours is to keep that room up and running so that we can keep everything going. Do you love your job? Love might be a strong word. <laughs> I mean, you stay with it, right? No, that's true. It's definitely something different every day because everybody, I feel like at times, like fantasizes, oh, what else would I be? What do I want to be when I grow up? Ignoring the fact I'm in my 30s. I should be grown. Um. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I do this every day. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, well, I could go have the nine to five. And there's some aspects of that that seem appealing, right? Like being able to be home and seeing people more than I'm like I no would holidays be, yeah yeah I would be so bored me behind a desk come on now <laughs> like that's not gonna work out well do you have any type of ADHD oh for sure oh yeah you couldn't tell <laughs> which, I just, which train of thought are we on <laughs> I've noticed that that is a big thing too working in these kinds of jobs um and I really I kind of learned that from my brother who has really bad ADHD mm-hmm. And he actually got into plumbing not too Mm -hmm. long ago. And he said he absolutely loves it because every day is different. Mm -hmm. And I thought, is that part of why I like my job? (laughs) Wait, wait, are you talking about me? Right, like, (laughs) is every day different? Every day is different. And Mm -hmm. I think I would get bored, Mm -hmm. you know. And I do, there are some times where I miss the adrenaline um, of working on the 911 system. But then I like go to pick up patients in other cities and I'm sitting in the back of the ambulance and I'm like, eh, no, I don't know. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, there goes that thought. Yeah, I don't, I don't miss the adrenaline stuff, but I do like mm-hmm. what I do. And I, I hope that other people that are in the medical field like what they do and continue to like what they do. You have to at least appreciate it in some fashion, right? <laughs> right. It is mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. It, there's no arguing that this is a hard job. We see a lot of really bad stuff, you know, and at the same time, well, it can be offensive to people. We do see a lot of really funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, the dark humor is for sure a coping yes. mechanism i mean i can't tell you how many people i've had who've you know stuck light bulbs up their butt not realizing that it's glass and it's going to break and then they have to have several hours worth of surgery to clean it all out you know yeah do people do really weird things with their junk guys put a lot of weird things on their dick 
throwing like, that out there. On there. Yeah, and then they wait like three or four days and it's like necrotic. I'm like, I, I don't have a dick, but I feel like if my dick was black and not working, I would have addressed this a little bit sooner. <laughs> That's just me. How can you let it sit like that? Exactly. <laughs> They're just like, well, this happened Friday and you're like, like which Friday? Like yesterday Friday or like the Friday before that? And the Friday before that, you're like, it's... 13 days ago. I'm sorry, what? 13, see again with the math thing. It's okay. Eight. <laughs> never, never pretended to be a mathematician. See, I would have said 14. Even better, Kate. Same page. Back to ADHD. Squirrel. We're good. We're good. I, uh, I do have to say that is working in the hospital, that is one of the funniest things I ever saw was a guy who came in and, you know, we did a lot of Foley's. So many Foley's. But there was a, yeah. a guy who, it, in prison, oh, no. <laughs> took a, a die, you know, and oh, cut the, it in the half. the speed bumps? Yeah, and mm-hmm. inserted it into the foreskin. And Apparently it's supposed to be a pleasure thing, but let's reevaluate. He's in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else see that? Nobody's gay in prison, right? <laughs> no, of course not. Just like it's not gay if you keep your boots on. <laughs> Oh, it's true. It's so true. <laughs> I just feel like everyone glosses over that fact, so I just like to point out the awkward little subtleties. Be right. Like, he says he's doing it for the ladies, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, last time. A lot of <laughs> you know what? The nastiest thing I ever oh, no. learned at the hospital was, like, talking about it, was this a Chicago sidecar. Uh, oh, yeah, I know it is Philly, but yeah. It's a Philly sidecar. <laughs> Same basic, like, yes. oh, I almost named dropped somebody in particular. <laughs> Whoops. But yeah, where they have to reverse the ostomies. <laughs> yeah, so they have to get... They have to get an ostomy. So an ostomy is a, basically a poop bag that you get if your intestines aren't functioning properly or, you know, something's going on. Um, so you get a poop bag attached to your stomach. They cut a hole into your stomach and they put a liner mm-hmm. and then you poop in this bag. And you it's have like to a little, see-through, the little yes. see-through window. Mm-hmm. And they blow up when you, you know, expel gas. They will expand and they can pop if you don't take care of it. Oof. Um, (laughs) sorry you just sent me into an existential crisis what i know it is is a chicago sidecars when people in prison have these and they allow other males to insert their penises into the hole i wonder how many soups that cost you (laughs) the bean that's so many (laughs) what what flavor of ramen does that equate to (laughs) definitely spicy chicken Um, and uh, so when they allow people to do this, you know, they they aren't the cleanest in the prison. Um, I imagine, yeah, condoms aren't on the commissary list. Probably not. Uh, a lot of them will develop herpes around the hole. Yeah, the one I knew about had gotten so many STDs that they had to reverse it. Just close it up? Uh-huh. You're not, you're not making any side money anymore? <laughs> Was that pun intended? <laughs> It was not intended. <laughs> Your spicy chicken money on the side. <laughs> the side money. Oh my god. That was good. I was going to give you credit for it. <laughs> Dude, I'm not that smart, bro. It's like that's that's witty right there. I'm not that quick with not intentionally. Sometimes it just happens. Just, just naturally comes to me. <laughs> you don't have the hair plug all there for you. Thanks. <laughs> oh, that's so gross.
Again, guys do a lot of weird things with their junk. They do. They do indeed. Um, I had another one that had come in. This is probably one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. But it was a guy who had to self-cath. So he would take a catheter and he couldn't urinate. So he'd have to help himself urinate. And in the prison system, I I don't know if they monitor them when they have to do this or what. But he was taking the caths and he was shoving them all the way up his dick. So they were actually floating around in his bladder. Yeah, he had... Oh, uh, he went past the hub. Yeah, he went like seven or eight deep i think and he had to and i think we think that he was doing it to get out of prison you know for a couple days to yeah kind prison of take doesn't a, seem like a good time take a break yeah it definitely mm-hmm. doesn't but to take a break it out uh, i guess it depends which end of the side yeah, you're on yeah depends on which side which side you're on. <laughs> uh, but we had urology come down and he had this really cool it was like a roto rooter drain oh. tool you know, that you can control with your fingers. And then on the end, a little uh, claw comes out mm-hmm. to grab. And he was letting me control the, the little oh, claw. Yeah, see so that? Was, you're just ignoring like, the circumstances? You're like, I... Dude, I was having a blast. Well, yeah. I was, like, playing the claw game, you know? <laughs> Going for straws today. Not stuffed animals, you know? <laughs> Oh, oh no. that was uh, that urologist was really cool for letting me do that. Mm-hmm. You see, that's cool. Like you do get to see some cool stuff in hospital that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, and you get to play with cool things that you wouldn't normally see, like mm-hmm. in the field. Have you gotten mm-hmm. to play with anything really cool like that? I don't know if I can beat your your, your claw game. <laughs> your claw game was it was pretty good. <laughs> More just be like a part of like the cool procedures. Also, I didn't know like when people break their femur to pull traction. And they'll drill through TibFib to pull traction that way. It's like an $800 drill bit on a DeWalt. Just a normal DeWalt drill. That kind of blew my mind. So it's not a DeWalt drill bit? It's <laughs> nope. It's a very expensive drill bit. And just like Home Depot drill. Did it look <laughs> any different than a normal drill bit? Yeah, I mean, it's longer, so it's like a long screw. Okay, so like six inches-ish. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just the, the, the so DeWalt painful. and just like the reusing of the DeWalt. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> You're just like... It's terrible, I guess. Hey, I've got a DeWalt. <laughs> also just walks around with a DeWalt. I know. Just Home Depot drill. Just Where do they put that? They leave it in the I'm closet. Gonna, I was going to say, does Ortho take it up or do they have it? No, I no, think they stash it down, down there. there. That's mm-hmm. so funny. I guess they use it that often, huh? A lot, yeah, yeah. A lot. I think one of the cool things to see, too, is the external pacemakers that you guys have. Mm-hmm. And then the little uh, the magnets to stop the, the internal pacemakers if they're misfiring. Mm-hmm. Which will, you know, an internal pacemaker uh, defibrillator will shock you if it's, uh, you know, malfunctioning. So they use these giant magnets, very strong magnets to shut down the defibrillator to make it stop shocking the people that are coming in. Also expensive magnet. <laughs> it, I'm sure it is. I think we have that many of that. them. They're, no, they're attached to the carts. So there's at least like were you not, four. Were you not there for that? We had like a term clean and housekeeping went through and threw like everything out of the carts and drawers and stuff. <laughs> Magnetito. <laughs> Oops. You know, we went through and we're like, <laughs> like, look at all these toys these guys play with. What is going on here? Yeah, it was like the, the external pacer, like you were talking about, and then yeah. the magnet, everything was gone. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Was they went and got bolt cutters. Oh my gosh. I, don't, I can't remember, but like, cut it off the cart. We looked, we're like, you're, you're messing, right? Like, no, you have the magnet and you have like the very expensive tools and stuff, right? And they're, no. Just gone. Just biohazard. <laughs> 
Oops. Whoops. No biggie. Whoops. Um, so is there anything that you do, like, as a hobby just to kind of get, a, like, a relief from all of it? So, like, pre-world burning down COVID, right? Um, I would take my dog to dog training, and that was fun little bonding experience for he and I, even though I make fun of his eyeballs. <laughs> his eyeballs do point in two directions, but he's still the cutest dog I've ever seen. <laughs> I was going to say, tread lightly. He's the most <laughs> handsome boy. <laughs> Didn't you have a picture of him painted with one of the little scruffs? <laughs> no, that was my mom's Boston Terry. <laughs> That's right. And she had a snaggle tooth because her teeth were all fucked up. Oh, he's so goofy. I'm glad to know that the, the training did help. Do you do like any type of exercise or do you just kind of hang out at home, watch movies? I would like to say I would do more exercise, but that would be a bold-faced lie. Like I'll right. go out on like the recreational hikes, uh-huh. but I'm definitely more of like a stay-home kind of girl. Yeah. Are you watching any TV shows right now? Oh, so many. Back so to ADHD. Many. <laughs> You're switching back and forth. Yeah, I get like halfway in and I'm like, meh, next. <laughs> How can you do that? I don't. I can't stop a show, like, unless it's really bad. Well, it's not even that it's bad. I'm just like, mm, I'm ready for a little something different. <laughs> this is boring. It's, I can't even remember what I was watching before I came over. <laughs> what would you say your worst call or patient has been? God, worst patient. That's. I feel like that that's rock a, bottom gets that's affected you personally. Oh, okay. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like gory or anything like that. So that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think it's like the gore. I know those are always like the stories people want to hear because it's interesting, right? Yeah. What induced the most trauma for you? But I guess it's the aftermath more so than like the actual event. It's seeing the people that get left behind yeah. kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Those are the ones that stick with me. Like the very first code I ever worked many, many moons ago, I, and it was actually a pediatric code. I cannot remember what the kid looked like, but I will forever remember the painting that his family had of him above the mantle as we were coding him in his living room at like wow. 2 a.m. Yeah, mm-hmm. could not remember him. But that, that detail sticks out. And being 18, walking in with the life pack, and mom's like, help him. And I was like, you need to call somebody. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you did. Wait, I'm, I'm somebody. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I didn't even have a license. So back when the laws were written. <laughs> yeah. <or you're, laughs> when, we, when I was chiseled in on stone when we were starting. <laughs> you could work off the probationary license. Yeah. So I was, I was just on a probationary license. I didn't, I wasn't even officially state licensed. Yeah. I would have to say that I, I think I did a, an opposite way of doing it where I remember a lot of the first couple of ones that Mm -hmm. I had and I don't remember like as far as what they look like Mm -hmm. I do remember a lot of my codes and I had a lot of codes um, but I don't remember what they look like kind of after a certain point Mm -hmm. and that could have been you know fatigue from working as many hours as I was working versus when I first started and I wasn't working as hard you Mm -hmm. know just getting into it and kind of learning the job Um, one of the hardest codes that I had was a young lady who her and her boyfriend had just finished having sex and she was like, I'm going to go take a shower. And he was like, okay, cool. And he fell asleep. Well, he woke up three hours later and the shower was still running. Mm. So he went in to check on her and she was in the shower. She was crouched down, like almost looked like she was like resting. She had Mm -hmm. her head on the edge of the tub. So we suspect what happened is that she passed out and then, had enough force pushed against her neck on the edge of the tub that she ended up suffocating, mm-hmm. basically. Asphyxiated? Yeah, mm-hmm. and she was still warm from the water. 
So when we pulled her out, we worked her for mm-hmm. probably about an hour. And she was just so young. You know, she was like 18 or 19. And, and I remember the, young ones, the, the, the way hit, she looks. Yeah, yeah, the young ones hit differently. Like that sounds odd, but it's... Because we've all been young and made stupid mistakes. Right. And that could have very easily been any one of us. That could have literally been... There wasn't drugs involved. Yeah. There wasn't anything involved. That literally was just circumstantial. She I think, passed out in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, I think that's why like the teenage calls are so much harder. Because we've all done, again, very stupid shit. That, that easily could have been us. But we had the opportunity to learn and grow from it. Whereas opposed to like Or we these, got lucky. Right? Yeah. Or we just got lucky. Yeah. And you just, you never know. Like, the human body is very resilient and very fragile, so, like, at the same time. Yeah. Weird juxtaposition. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any uh, any funny calls that just stick out to you? <laughs> so there's a dark humor again. <laughs> you know, that is our job. Um, Do you want one, like, pre-hospital or, like, one hospital? If you've got both, throw them out. All right. You asked for it then. <laughs> so the hospital one, back to the open thoros. That's an open thoracotomy. Sorry. <laughs> for the people who don't no, practice no, you, no, you're doing the right thing. I'm just like, I just assume you know. <laughs> so it was an open thoro, and they were missing some of the tools out of the kit, or they had asked for something. So I had my trauma shears, and I left them in the room, and I left to go get something, and I come back. And apparently they couldn't find what they were looking for, so they instead had my shears and were cutting through this person's sternum. And all I could do was stand in the corner and squeak because they're expensive. <laughs> I was just like, oh, no. Oh, that's for sure how you get a ghost. <laughs> like, that's asking for problems. I mean, isn't that, like, it was the raptors, right? Yeah. Of course it was. That's what they're supposed to do, Not right? cut through people, no. <laughs> you got to use what you have. You're not supposed to cut somebody in half, <laughs> okay? So, And then after I went to the surgeon, I was just like, can I have my shears back that you put inside that man? She's like, oh, yeah, I hope you don't care. I was like, it's a little late for that. Like, that ship has sailed. <laughs> These are haunted. Do you want me to send you an invoice or how do you want me to Do you see proceed? the monitor? <laughs> yes. I was just like, are you... Oh, are you kidding me? Just tainted. They don't cut for shit. <laughs> they cut. I mean, it worked. <laughs> I think you should reach out to Raptor and tell him what they did. Endorsements. See, yes. I'm not. I'm not savvy enough for that. But that <laughs> that's an idea. I'd be like, you hey, be you like, want some advertising? I got some advertising. <laughs> you know for what you. my shears did today? <laughs> I'm talking about my shears. <laughs> yes. You should, dude. Ah, <laughs> uh, so then in field. My partner and I were stopped on an overpass bridge heading like northbound. Um, and it's one of the bigger bridges. So it's like northbound is one way, southbound is the other. And we're sitting there and all these people start driving by and they're like, hey, there's an accident up there. And we're like, yeah, okay. We haven't gotten it yet. It's fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll be there. <laughs> we haven't been dispatched. Yeah, no, no, Give it's fine. Because we're assuming it's a fender bender. Yeah. Right. We're like, no, no, no big deal. Yeah, no, no, we'll go. And by like the fifth car, he was just like, Should, I was just like, oh, okay, fine, fine. We pull up, and these two cars were participating in the state sport of, like, DUI. One of them was, right? Um, So as we pull up, it's, like, in the middle of this intersection. There's a car on the opposite side, and then there's somebody dragging, like, an unconscious person out of the front seat of this other car. And we were just like, oh, that took a turn. 
oops. <laughs> and so we look, and I had this lady's eyes just get real big, and I was like, oh, no. And she starts doing chest compressions. I was like, this definitely took a turn. Yeah. <laughs> That's on me. <laughs> oops. So I'm putting on the little Joey vest, and I go and I asked him, I was like, hey, do you want me to get the stuff or what? And he's like, no, I'll grab it. You go over. And I was like, oh, okay. So I go over and I was like, hey, ma'am, like, EMS, we can take over. It's not a big deal. I'm an off-duty nurse. And I was like, okay, go. Cool. Do you. I'll be back. So I turn around <laughs> to go get the stuff out of, like, all the equipment out of the truck. And as I'm walking, in my mind, it's still slow-mo. And I hear, oh, we have to breathe for him. And I was just like, <gasps> knee-jerk reaction whip around i was like don't put your mouth on the dead dude wait what what and i was like stop 10 seconds like let me get my stuff it's right it's fine please don't 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 do that don't do that ew not good stuff come out of dead bodies so like after everything's said and done like he was been dead for a little while yeah and just inadvertently there was a drunk driver that hit the car he was in as he was overdosing in the front seat to the hospital oh my gosh just ridiculous. And then that nurse after, like, shell-shocked, I was like, are you okay? Are you good? It's the first time I've done compressions. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I scarred you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll take that one. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take that hit. So you talked a little bit earlier about haunting and trauma. Like, how? Oh, for sure. Oh, for <laughs> Why sure. Why do you say that? Bitch, you've been in that room. <laughs> like, I know I have been, but they haven't. <laughs> I mean, just... If you believe in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I do. I will tell you I do. Oh, there's some shit like you can't explain in the universe. For sure. For real. Mm-hmm. Weird stuff happens on the Mesa. Like, there's things you just don't talk about. Um, <laughs> if you look at it, like, because spirits or whatever, right? It's normally, like, violent deaths or, like, the unresolved. So just trauma one. Think about how many, like, violent occurrences. Yeah, I mean, at least five a day. Oh, Yeah. I th- my record is six codes in 24 hours. Oh my goodness. Not even not all traumatic. And sure. then I had two of the open Thoros and eight. I wanted to go home and cry. Yeah, I'm sure you <laughs> it did. It was a long day. Yeah. We ran out of the trays and it got to the point where I was like, do you want to do this? Like, <laughs> are you sure you want to do this? Please say no. Yeah, so if you think about just like how long that building's been there and how many like violent deaths because that's where we take all the trauma. Yeah. And most of the trauma unfortunately in this state is inflicted by others get a lot of the dv or Mm -hmm. just random occurrences so yeah that room has got to have is there anything that happens in the room that makes you think that yeah one of my friends had actually just sent me a video that they had taken a couple years ago where it was full-blown like the ekg up on the screen on the monitor yeah on the monitor and there was no one in the room like oh. it wasn't attached to anyone. So it was reading. It was reading a heart rhythm with it was atta- the stickers were attached to the original packaging. Or like you'll get a, a pulse ox pleth. I've seen the platform before, the EKG. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And that's happened like numerous times since I've been there. In just one. Yeah. In just one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is kind of like the center hub. Oh yeah. Oof. That's creepy. And especially because they fly everything to us if it's bad enough. Yeah. All over the state. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you could go back and start all over, would you do EMS again? I would like to think yes, and then maybe... Having all the knowledge that you have right now. Yeah, like, it is fun. And it's one of those, like, th- there is a very specific, like, personality type <laughs> that fits. We're yes. all very similar, like, if you <laughs> sit us down in a room. I don't know what advice I'd have for myself. I guess the best piece of advice I've ever gotten is it's okay to be afraid, like... 
in the middle of everything. Everyone is, but you hold it together. You do the duck, right? Calm on the water and just fuck, 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 fuck underneath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then you can decompress after. It's one of those because like you have to be the voice of reason during those situations. Sure, for mm-hmm. yourself and potentially yeah. for others, right? Mm-hmm. We've all been on those scenes where people get rowdy. Yeah, not just the family or the bystanders, but sometimes mm-hmm. your partners too. Yeah, I, I pretty much got along with most people. You didn't ever have any partners that were like, ah, shit. I mean, probably, but I don't think I like worked with them, so it wasn't enough to like stand out. Yeah, it's I've kind I've, of filed away. I've had to tell people, you are driving too erratically. Mm-hmm. We're not driving code three anymore. Cut it down. Like just shut yeah, it down. Because at the end of the day, like it's it's not my emergency. I don't want it to become mine. And a lot of people are treating the the lights and sirens as like a we need to get there. We need to get there right now. Mm-hmm. And that's not the goal with lights and sirens. It's just to get you know just to kind of move traffic to the side. Yeah. Well, and it when you run code, it's like an increase of like three hundred percent. Yeah. Something's gonna happen. And it's always devastating. And it's always your fault. Right. Once the lights are on. I don't want that liability. We're no. public servants. We don't make that much. Like, no. Yeah, wait. There's <laughs> Go ahead and sue me. There's not that much to take. It is always going to be your fault. Mm-hmm. People forget that. Yeah. Did, were you ever in any accidents in the ambulance? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have, like, tapped a pedestrian. <laughs> I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> oh, he was thrown. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. What do you mean by that? I don't know why that was the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, so for the service, that was the one code zero that I had, had activated for me. <laughs> but it's where, like, they clear all the air traffic. Like, you were now in an emergency. Okay. Um, we were driving to a call, and we were driving slowly down one of the uh, war zone streets like five miles per hour like 10 okay because i had accidentally driven past the address and like we saw the scene so i was slowed down to find a place to turn around and there was two guys fighting on the side of the road they were just random yeah they were just like fighting on the side of the road yeah and so the one like the super aggressive guy goes and just throws this man into the road and i like had enough time and going slow enough had time to turn the wheel and miss and he clipped the mirror and kind of bounced and like twirled around the box. I was just like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then he just stands there in the middle of the street like a tiny child and just, <gasps> <laughs> you hit me. Okay. And I was just like, oh, oh my God. And my partner had the window rolled down. And then the guy that threw him in the street and she's queued up. I forget why, and for whatever reason, the guy that threw him in the street was like, you fucking pussy, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to give you something to cry about. And she's queued up on the radio, so Met 10 is hearing all of this. Because <laughs> like, I think she was trying to relay something, and so she's like, get the fuck out of here, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, do you, do you need PD? Like, what? And they're just like... And I was like, this is so dramatic. Oh, goodness. I mean, it was such a low deal. Like, PD was like, oh, are you going to drug test her? And I was like, if you want to. And then, like, my soup was just like, no. Well, you can. Yeah, I was like, go ahead. Not positive. (laughs) That was one of those. Just when you asked that memory archives, I was like, well, okay, so funny story. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) Just that. 
actually get the fuck out of here. In the very New Mexico. Mira, I'll give you something to cry about. And you're just like, oh no. I was calling report and I had this patient who'd just been disrespectful the whole time, intoxicated, like mm-hmm. being really rude, like borderline restraint, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm giving report. So I'm holding the radio and he pulls out like a candy bar or some <laughs> something and he eats it and he throws the trash on the floor. And I was like, this is not your fucking house. Mm-hmm. That is not a trash. Like you need to pick it up. Do I look like your mama? Right. No. And I was like, oh, man, I, I was cute the entire time. I was ta- like just talking to this guy like a child because he was throwing his trash all mm-hmm. over the floor in the ambulance. You have to sometimes. Though. You do. And. It comes off as callous and rude, but... But also, I like, I'm assuming you're the same way. I don't come out of the gate, like, swinging, no. talking down to people. No. It's when they throw the candy bar, or they spit on the ground. I'm like... Excuse- or they spit on you, or they're, like, super aggressive. That inviting instant red for me. Yeah. It's so disrespectful. I've been lucky to have not been bit, but I've been spit on a, a uh-huh. couple times. And I've been hit a couple of times. Uh-huh. But. That's one of those. It... Unfortunately, badge on or yeah, everybody has the one story where they almost got the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and it's the patients, not me. <laughs> Just kidding. There's actually a young lady that um, I don't know where she's at now, but she um, she had a great rapport with this patient, and uh, she was walking him up to triage, mm-hmm. and he all of a sudden. Like, they walked through the double doors up into triage. He grabbed her by the neck and dropped her on the ground and ended up breaking her jaw. Jesus. Like, she had to get wired. And that sucks, because you're drinking out of a straw for, like, a month. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. just never know. No, and that's when you get too complacent like that. Especially if it's somebody like you, like a patient you've known for a long time, unfortunately. Because mm-hmm. even as big as our system is, there's still people I know by name. By yeah, like first name. flyers that we yeah. pick up often. Yeah. One of them I asked, I was like, do you actually have like a home address? And this smartass gave me the hospital's address. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's like, I was just like, the disrespect. <laughs> Honestly, I just had to walk away because he thought it was real funny. And I was like, I'm not laughing. <laughs> That's not cute. That's like when you walk up and say, hey, you want my number? It's 911. <laughs> yeah. That was like the vibe I got from that. What is the, like the nursing sticker? Cute enough to stop your heart. <laughs> Skilled enough to restart it. <laughs> that sticker cracks me up. <laughs> I saw a funny meme the other day that had like, you know, the day nurses and they don't have any drinks or food or mm-hmm. anything. It's all clear. And then the night nurses is like basically a bar. <laughs> Honestly. All the drinks are all set up and there's food everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah. No, mm-hmm. it's it's a true story. <laughs> Seriously, though. <laughs> I may or may not have had a blender going with virgin margaritas on a nurse's last night. <laughs> Whatever you got to do to keep the morale up at this point, honestly. I feel like I'm the the cruise director on the Titanic. <laughs> like we're going down, but it's fine. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have got a good the time. Violin. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody grabbed like a little stringed instrument and just play it into the ocean. It's fine. We all going down together, fools. <laughs> it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on the same ship these days. Oh, that's healthcare in general. That's not even. It is. And I would like to say that, you know, after COVID, it got worse, but it was getting bad before COVID. Uh, COVID was just the breaking point. Yeah. All of these things had remained hidden, and it just came to the surface. I agree. Weird world. I don't think I like being a part of history. 
That was not fun for no, me. No, that was definitely not fun. The COVID, the COVID stuff was not fun. How did it affect you personally, though? I was living alone at the time, and like as all this was coming out, I just remembered like having the conversation with my family, being like, "I can't be around you guys anymore." It's not necessarily a conscious decision that I made to put myself like in that in harm's way like that, but it, it is the situation. I did choose healthcare. But I don't want to be the reason one of you gets sick and dies. I just remember working a lot and very, like, isolated. And then weird looking back, like, rushing to change all the facilities to the negative pressure and, like, watching these patients get sicker and sicker. And, like, as all the research came out and just always trying to adapt. I remember when the hospital was at its, like, fullest walking by our ortho floor and it was a COVID unit. Like, everything was just full. Because we were getting shipped everything from everywhere that all the other facilities couldn't handle. Double bunking, double, triple bunking up in the ICUs. Like, insane. Yeah, I'm glad that I wasn't... I had left the hospital, like, right Mm -hmm. before it happened. So I'm I'm glad that I did. Because it went through that, like, transition before it hit. And it was real bad here. Of, like, healthcare heroes work here. And people were, like, bringing us dinner. And I was like, not to sound presumptuous, but who's bringing me my free dinner tonight? Yeah. Come <laughs> on, guys. I'm still here, guys. Yeah, I'm like, um, it's, I started at 7, it's 8. I'm <laughs> like, where's my dinner? <laughs> to then, like, the world burning down. Yeah. And, like, getting to the point where they were putting out, I don't know if you saw it, they had the refrigerator trucks because they weren't going to have anywhere to store bodies. Like, it became very real very quickly. For a little while, you know, it wasn't... We weren't sure how safe it was and how close it could be. And being in those close quarters, we weren't because we didn't know. So we weren't transporting a lot of COVID mm-hmm. until more research coming out. I think we didn't even start transporting. They had a designated uh, contract with a city out of state where they were transporting a lot in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so that team did transport a lot of COVIDs. But I don't think we started transporting COVIDs till like June or July. Yeah, you were lucky. There's I know some of the other like ambulance companies in the city were kind of just winging it. And then like reusing the N95s and stuff is wild to think about now because that's what we were having to do. Right, because there weren't Because there wasn't any. Because um, an employee, I don't know like where in the giant facility, like we couldn't even go get N95s from the supply. It Like a charge nurse had to go up and get them because somebody was taking them and selling them like on the black market Jeez. is the rumor. I have like no confirmation of this. And then they're like, here's your <laughs> hospital issued Tupperware to put the mask in until it falls off your face or you've hit the 30 days. So like, you were only getting one new one every 30 days. <laughs> that is insane. Did, or until it like broke or you yeah. couldn't wear it anymore. Were you guys double masking? Yeah, <clears throat> that was their solution was the, um, the N95s and then like the procedure mask. And you were wearing gowns into every room. Yeah. Did they have, like, the AC blasting at that point, or? I can't remember. I just remember being very sweaty all yeah. the time. All the time. All the time. And it's, you can't even walk around in it, right? Because it's, as soon as you walk into a room, you're having to, mm-hmm. you have to gown up and then de-gown and then gown up and then de-gown. And then and... for, like, the level ones, then you have to wear the LEDs on top of that. So that's an extra, like, 10, oh, 15 yeah, pounds. No. So sweaty. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, the couple of times that we did, that I remember that I transported, um, covid during the day and then because you had to have like the bouffant and like all all that and then on top of your flight suit and then you're getting Mm -hmm. into an airplane where the ac can't even be turned on until they start the airplane so you're already in the plane for like five minutes before the plane can actually start and then you get your props going 
And it's still another like five to ten minutes before the air circulates enough to cool down. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was hot. Yeah. And then we had to like, we had these Mister machines that we had mm-hmm. to go back to base and defog. Oh the, yeah. You know, fog out the plane after every COVID transport. So COVID, even on a short mission that may have only been you know a thirty minute flight and an hour on the ground, and then a thirty minute flight back was lasting six hours. For a while, we were when the re- there wasn't the research so you were having to wait like time limits before like environmental services could go in to even like clean the rooms for us and then we were like we only have so many negative pressure rooms built in so then we were putting like the air scrubbers in these rooms to try and accommodate and then juggling people that way and then the rule outs versus like confirmed versus negative and i think at one point there was like running low but to the facility's credit they tried very hard to keep us stocked with like what they could do you feel like you, you were supported throughout that period of time? Yeah, I mean, minus the mask thing, but again, that was a national thing. That, that, was that wasn't that wasn't thing. them. Yeah. Kind of give credit where credit is due. That and That's not on sanitizer. them. Yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> or the and fact then, that everyone was, like, taking all the toilet paper. I'm like, Jesus, how much do you guys shit? Like, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> I, we were behind the ball on that one. There were quite a few times where we were wiping with you know, paper towels because mm-hmm. we could not get toilet paper anywhere. Yeah. I lucked out and living alone and I would just go to Costco to buy toilet paper. So I was like, ah, I'm good for like two months. I'm going to ride this out. You get the 48 pack. <laughs> like, I'm good. I'm good for a little bit. That's funny. This yeah, is now, not a crisis. Now it's a thing. We get like even down to six rolls and we're like, we got to get more. Mm-hmm. We're, we're oh close. no! Yeah, this is dangerous. <laughs> You're having PTSD, the non flashbacks, the, to- yeah. the paper the towels, paper towels. <laughs> the sandpaper. <laughs> that was a really rough time, I think, for everybody. Oh, I know yeah. we got lucky because we were actually living together. Mm-hmm. It was me and my wife, and then him and his wife, and I think we we did stay apart, mm-hmm. but we also had each other to, you know, talk shit to and mess mm-hmm. around with and help with like groceries and all the other stuff yeah too. and i mean we were very fortunate in the fact like we were in the middle of it but we also had jobs like how right. many other people were then forced to stay home no income like you can still look around and see all these little like mom and pop shops that used to be uh, that so have many just... closed down mm-hmm. too but on the other so there was that right there were people that were forced not to work because of covid and then a lot of companies that lost business on the other side though there were a lot of people that weren't allowed to work that started getting income checks without having to work, mm-hmm. which was a little frustrating, too, because, you know, I'm having to go into work and deal with these really sick people. Mm-hmm. And there are people that are not doing anything right now and getting paid to not do anything. So you had I felt like the world was in two parts. There were the essential workers and then the non-essential workers mm-hmm. and the non-essential workers were like, I'm going to start working out and get fit and I'm going to start new hobbies and do all of these things. And we're still forced into working these hours and then oftentimes going into overtime because mm-hmm. there weren't enough people oh, yeah. to cover the amount of patients that we were seeing. Well, and that and for me, it was like, what else am I going to do? Right. I might as well make some money off of this, I guess. Right. Which is what a lot of the travelers did, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of when the travelers started really booming, the mm-hmm. travel nursing jobs. Well, because I think there was a lot of, like, the thinning of the herd within healthcare also, though. There, there was, was the some thinning people of that... the herd, and mm-hmm. then there were people coming out of retirement, like, oh, mm-hmm. I'll help, you know? Yeah. So then you have an older generation that's also coming in to be like, I can help, you know? And 
<laughs> so oh, I'm here. Skip you have the younger ones that are like, oh, fuck this. I'm not going to do <laughs> yeah. this. I'm not going to do this. Yeah, peace out, guys. And then you have the, the older generation like, ah, I can help. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> yeah. I haven't put a folly in in 20 years. Which I, hole is it? <laughs> you know? I've been seeing IV catheters like this since 1985. Just 85 I, like I was. I meant to say longer ago. <laughs> Oh, no. Still before your time. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Not much. (laughs) Just the the whole thing. That was, like, you know, we hit that hundred years. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was technically, like, the the SARS from, like, 2003. That's when it should have hit, and it just got postponed. Yeah. Every hundred years, it just thins the herd a little bit. It does. Nature has a way of balancing everything out. And so on that note, it was pretty crazy to watch, like, all of these places flourish without human interaction, right? Like, the dolphins were coming. how quickly the animals came back. Yes, I was going to say, Venice had dolphins again. And, like, all the pollution, you could see, actively see the pollution going down around, like, San Francisco. The deer and shit in New York. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Eye-opening. Very (laughs) eye-opening. It wouldn't take Mother Nature very long to... To come back. Oh no, we're not needed. <laughs> we're a detriment. Let's let's, sure. let's be real. For sure, uh, people. <laughs> you people. Um, so, are there any charities or any like Rob has, you know, Skulls for Hope? Is there any companies that you use or that you support that you would like to talk about? I wish I was cool enough to say yes. <laughs> no, like it is very impressive with the stuff that Rob has done, um, especially because mental health in general for us is such a hot topic and at the same time not discussed nearly enough. I agree. Um, that, like how many funerals have you gone to for people that in you've worked with? In the last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, people that like, you've been close with and have known. And it's one of those, where it, the stigma you just everybody deals with it and you just kind of move on it's not something you talk about yeah when it needs to be it does it needs to be a more open topic of conversation and i i want to tell people you know don't feel alone mm-hmm. don't feel alone and there's at least 10 other people feeling the way that you are feeling and it's not to downplay your feelings it's just mm-hmm. to let you know that there is there are support options out there for you oh yeah like, and i do think that it is I think in the younger generation, and I've kind of talked about this a lot in the last few episodes, that they are opening up a little bit more about Mm -hmm. it, you know, and I think that's good. We need Mm -hmm. it, and we just need to remind the older generations to, Uh this is something that is being dealt with, and it might not be the way that we want it to be right now, but it'll get there. Uh If that means going down to, like, you know, four-year service, (laughs) like we talked about earlier. But, I mean longevity the we don't need to run ourselves into the ground no i mean we're still human too again it's that it's not my emergency right and we are a public service but we don't need to be taken advantage of no you don't have to make a difference at the cost of your life and just the destruction that can come with like suicide it's not just you you decimate everybody else's life around you that's close to you but when you're in that spot, that's not something you can even see. No, because you feel like you're just being detrimental to everybody else. It, it's hard for other people to like fathom, but like if you're that far down that you really think that's your only other, like that's your only option. Yeah. Reach out. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah. Hopefully, 
that culture change happens sooner. Sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Megan, so much for joining us today. Great conversation, great laughs, too many laughs, so I'll have to edit (laughs) some of that out for sure. Don't be rude. No, (laughs) take it all in. (laughs) Take it all in. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Ah, Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening. Before we wrap up, we have a few important announcements to share with you. Firstly, we're excited to announce the launch of our brand new 911 Nonsense Facebook group page. It's a community where everyone can go to connect, share ideas, discuss topics from the show, and get all of the most recent updates about the podcast. We'd love to have you join us and be part of the conversation. Next, we want to ask you to rate and review our podcast on your preferred platform. Your feedback means the world to us and helps us reach a wider audience. By rating and reviewing the show, you'll be supporting us in a big way and helping others discover 911 Nonsense. If you enjoy what we do and would like to support the podcast even further, we have a few options available. You can visit samspursuit.com to find the links to our 911 Nonsense merch page and our recently released Noon Gear page. Every contribution, no matter the size, goes a long way in helping us continue to better the podcast. We know that not everyone is comfortable being on the podcast, but we still want to hear your stories and experiences. If you have a compelling story and would like to share it to be read by me in a future episode, please reach out to us via email at 911nonsense at gmail.com or through our website's contact section. If you choose to be anonymous, we'll make sure to respect your privacy while sharing your story in a way that resonates with our audience. Thank you again for tuning in. We truly appreciate your support and look forward to bringing you more engaging content in the future. See you next week.